Welcome fam, episode 42, Jungle Brothers podcast. Uh, you can find us at junglebrothers.com if you need us or at Jungle Brothers Movement on Instagram. It's myself, Joe Worthington, Paul Fertifilli and our guest Alex Gardner today. Hi. Hi. We've got a couple of cool things going on. We've got our, our next coaches internship which starts March, early March next year. So that's only a few months from now. The current internship's wrapping up. It's been super successful if you wish to take your coaching game to the next level or many levels beyond that, uh, reach out. Happy to talk about it. Our mezzanine is almost complete. Um, we're probably about three weeks off launching a full-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program here at the gym. So that's super exciting. If you want to train Jits, you want to get strong, you want to get mobile and do all of those things under the one roof, then it's the perfect place to do it. And we're also shouting out to our friends at Panavore Cafe in Pagewood who are supplying the coffee that we're drinking today. Thanks, fam. Today's guest, Alex Gardner, is a member of the gym. She is an all-round legend of a human. She has woven herself very tightly into the fabric of the gym in a short space of time. Um, Alex, would you like to give a little uh, introduction to who you are? Yeah, man. Thanks. Um, yep. So, Alex, start there. I just had my 28th birthday, which I'm actually really stoked about. I've always had this thing, like, I thought 28 would be a really exciting age. Um, so, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, How's it going know. for you? Pretty good so far. Yeah. Like it's, been, <laughs> it's been a good two weeks. Um, yeah, so I'm actually really, really excited about that. Um, I've been a member here for two years this week, actually. Oh, shit. It was the first open day you guys had at this gym um, that I came to. I think it was like right. on the 21st or something of October. I, remembered, I remember you vividly from that day. Yeah, man, I signed up there and then I was in. Um, and I've, yeah, like Joey said, I've made a big effort to sort of immerse myself down here. Um, so, yeah, that's two years and I've been in Sydney for five now. So, that's a, a big chunk of my Sydney life has been here. Wait, where are you from originally? Well, so my dad's in the army. Yep. So, I moved around a little bit um, as a kid, but I did my senior schooling and uni in Brisbane. And then I moved to Melbourne for four years and now I've been in Sydney for five. I see. Yeah. So you're not botany born and bred? No, far okay. from it. Yeah, I lived in Ingleburn for about 12 months when I was like six. And that was the only, I think that was the only time we spent in New South Wales. Yeah, right. Is that country New South Wales? Uh, it's out near like Campbelltown, Minto. Yeah, it's country. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to offend someone there for sure. Probably Sean from last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you do a birthday week? Just a question because I saw another girl from the gym the other day and she was like, it's my birthday week. And I'm like, the fuck is that? And she's like, well, it's my birthday this week, so we celebrate all week. I've never done that. Uh, not consciously. I remember for my 21st, I was living in Melbourne at the time. Um, I'd only been down there for about a year and a half. Um, my family was in Perth and then obviously all the people I grew up with were still in Brisbane. So I had three 21st um, dinners. I guess, with like new friends, old friends back home, and then obviously the family gig. Um, so that was a pretty prolonged birthday, maybe more out of necessity than personal excitement. Um, yeah, not consciously. I do like to treat myself around my birthday, though. Get a nice uh, massage, go for a hike. It's good. You, like hike, you hike regularly, don't you? I love hiking. You, I was going to ask you about that, the nature piece. You seem really proactive in, about it. Yeah, there's just something about having dirt under your feet. <laughs> um, as opposed to concrete and cars around and everything, like getting proper dirt under your feet, not being able to hear other people uh, and just being able to switch off, concentrate on your breath. I like taking my dog hiking pretty often as well. It's pretty cool to see her getting to be a real dog. She's your main hiking partner, no? Yeah, man. She's what? got her own little trail backpack and everything. What's her name again? Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> Delilah, she's a pit bull? Is she? Yeah, she's a pit Amstaff cross, but she's got something else in her because she's pretty little for... The breeds that she's supposed to be. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's super cute. Totally. She pulled you into a uh, into a body of water the other day. Yeah, we were crossing a creek bed, and I was um, I was had one foot on the ground, and she saw something that she wanted and bolted, and I ended up on my ass in the creek. Holy shit! Yeah, so hurt. she's a powerful little thing. She's twenty three kilo of muscle. She's Pure. um, yeah, she's solid. <laughs> so, uh, tell me, you you study a lot. Yeah. And I know you, you've studied a few things and you're studying presently. Can you give us a little bio on that? Yeah, so I'm currently doing a degree in clinical exercise physiology, which I do part-time online through UNE. Great uni, like mad shout-outs. If anyone wants to study online, UNE is awesome. Um, University 
of New England. New England. Yeah. Okay. So I'm based out of the Armadale campus, which is up north. You travel there? Uh, yeah, usually once a semester I have to go and do like intensive schools because there's a lot of practical components in the subjects for yep. EP. Yep. So we go up and we do all of the pracs in about three to four days. You do your assessments at the end and, um, yeah, everything else is online. Is it engaging enough to do it online? Because I did a PT course online and, I, I mean, it was, it was an average course. Yeah. But I found it hard. I think what I found really useful for UNE is all of the lecturers are super approachable. Um, you don't ever feel out of place emailing them directly and also really passionate about everything they teach, even the subjects that are going to be dry as anything else. Um, the lecturer's passion for the subject actually makes you like, oh, yeah, this is so cool, um, <laughs> when it's not. Like, <laughs> it's really so far from what you're interested in. It helps in. when you've got good teachers. Yeah. I have the impression that it's like a class of, <clears throat> like, say, 90 students and 89 of them are like, oh, this is so fucking boring. And Alex is like, this is so awesome, guys. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we had a light theory lecture um, the other day and it can be boring as batshit. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like, tell me more, tell me more. And everyone else fell asleep. So, so yeah, you are the, the frother, the front row frother. Totes, yeah. nerd, nerd from way back. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm currently studying. I'm also studying some... Uh, post-grad studies in the new year in forensics, which is what my first degree was in. So I've got a degree in forensic, um, forensic science with a chemistry major and also a degree in criminology with a policing major. Wowza. Yeah. How many years have you been studying for now? So I did the forensics and criminology as a double degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that straight out of school, started that when I was 16. Um, so that was four years. And you finished school when you were 16? Yeah. Like I said, totes nerd. Mad Fuck nerd. Doogie Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> Kids yeah. are like, who's Doogie Hauser? Yeah. <laughs> Doogie Hauser was a teenage doctor. No, uh, yeah. For those that haven't seen the show, Doogie Hauser. Yeah. That was my dream. I failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I did that way back, and then I've just done some sort of um, less formal studying, I suppose, over the f- past few years, and then the EP stuff I've been doing for about a year and a half now. Those two seem somewhat unrelated could be related but do you uh, do you venture to have a career path in one or the other or is it more based around interest i'm not 100 percent sure um with forensics and criminology it's a really cool degree um job opportunities are very limited at least cool job opportunities um <laughs> are very limited in those fields yeah. and especially with the birth of things like csi and ncis um, there's a lot of people interested in it. Actually, because of those shows, it makes sense. 100%. Like, it's way oversaturated. People who are qualified compared to the actual positions, it's a mess. Um, EP, I think, is sort of voguing at the moment. Like, it seems to be a pretty a, a cool word to throw around. Exercise physiologist. Yeah. But I really like the principles that they work under. Um, I started that more out of interest just because I was a bit bored. Um, so why not just get another qualification? Dang. Um, but I think, yeah, it'd be nice, nice thing to incorporate in my life going forward. Uh, can, you, can you give us a summary of what is exercise physiology about? We've, we've spoken about it before on the show, but it'd be cool to get a bit of clarity around what they actually do. Yeah, so it's interesting because not even many EPs really know how to define what they do. It is a type of physical therapy. Um, but it can range in function, which is really interesting. So things like physio... Um, even osteo have a main function to sort of like restore the body. They don't, they do have other functions, but most of them are looking to, you know, fix an injury or fix something that isn't working optimally. EP is interesting in that it can be used as equally for performance enhancement as well as recovery. So you get a lot of EPs working with sports teams, um, looking at the way that individuals utilize oxygen during their performance. So looking at their VO2 max how to improve that, and then how to improve performance on top of that. So you can work at really high-end athlete development sort of uh, level. On the other hand, you can equally work with people who have suffered um, like an acquired brain injury, maybe have had a car accident, maybe have a congenital um, condition where they're really low in muscle tone or... um, you know, things like cerebral palsy, things like that, where people mm. um, need to gain basic <clears throat> functions again to regain independence. Um, so EPs sort of cover that whole 
spectrum of things. I'm. Oh, sorry, you go. Depending on which which yeah, area they want to kind of venture into towards. Yeah, totally. I'm probably more interested in the rehabby side yes. of things, yep. so regaining function or giving people a better quality of life, um, improving yep. you know independence and things like that. Yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the people I study with are really in that performance enhancement sort of zone. Yeah, sure. Uh, how many years is it and what year are you in at the moment? So it's a four-year full-time degree. And you're part-timing I'm it. I'm part-timing Ooh. it. Uh, so I'm looking at potentially up to eight years. I'm yep. hoping to do it in six. Um, Bring yeah. back the Doogie Howser vibe. Yeah, Just Turbocharge man. everything. Yep. Need some nerd glasses. There's a new Do- Doogie Howser though. I saw. I was watching the footy. Rare time I got the, the, the TV on. I saw an ad for a new show. There's like a young doctor. Do you watch TV? Not often. Okay. No, I don't think so. You're, you're too busy reading. I'll, like binge, yeah. I'll binge a whole series in one day. Yeah. That'll be my TV for the week. No, they've got another new young doctor. Yeah, right. But it's not the same name. It's not, it's not the same name. But I, I saw it and I was like, Doogie Howser, early Doogie's, 90s. Like, yeah. get out of it. Next, they'll be bringing, bringing back Punky Brewster. <laughs> huh? You all remember Punky Brewster? <laughs> Cartoon. You probably don't know Punky Brewster. No. T, T remember Punky Brewster? She was like a sassy little girl from oh, like New York City with pigtails or like... Little thing hair outside. Long socks, striped socks. Denim. Yeah, right. Yeah, and she was just like cool. Tira Sweet. Ward just joined us. Um, Hello. Welcome, Hello. bro. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh. I'm just... Hi. Hi. So the, the study piece, um, why do you... What is it about exercise and, and that side of things that you're... That, you know, like you're... Going back to when you first came to the gym, you're, you're, you stood out at that open day because you were just like... Smiling frothing, all day, frothing, frothing <laughs> super engaged in whatever was being uh, taught. You know, like you were just, you were the kind of person like, oh, she's so into this right now, right? <laughs> Which was ex- exactly like, you're the ideal person. That's exactly who we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it makes you super coachable and it makes you easy to get along with and all those things. Um, what is it about the training environment? You, you coming in training here, you wanting to, to sort of share the rehab thing with other people. What is it about that for you and, and where did that begin? Uh, it's really interesting actually. Exercise hasn't always been a big thing in my life. Um, like as a kid, I was a hella nerd. I was the kid who like mum had to tell me to stop reading and go outside. <laughs> um, I like she'd, I'd make her buy me those, you know, in the news agency, they have the um, grade level workbooks. I don't know if you've seen, but they're like a general workbook for like grade five. I'd make her buy me the next grade's workbook so I could do it in my summer holidays. Oh, gee. <laughs> Hella nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she, like we always did um, swimming at school and I did trampolining for a number of years, uh, did gymnastics um, and did boxing pretty intensely at the end of my schooling. And then after that, I stopped completely. And I just found that the quality of life that I was living without being forced into activity after a couple of years I really wasn't in a place that I wanted to be or thought I would be Um, I wasn't as dedicated to anything else either like I was finding it hard to apply myself to my studies Uh, I wasn't interested in that anymore it all just sort of became a bit gray as opposed to like really vivid and really engaging as a lifestyle and I'm talking like I was 18 years old like at 18 you should be Hella into everything that you're doing Mm. um, because you've still got energy and sleep well. Um, Yeah, so I I think, well, between the ages of 16 and 18, I think I nearly doubled my body weight. Um, So that's a massive, massive turn. Um, And then when I was about 20, one day, I remember vividly, I snapped and I decided that's not good enough anymore that's not what I want to be that's not who I am mm. so I walked into the closest personal training studio that I could find I was down in Melbourne and signed up and yeah from there it's really it's been something that I love and I consciously know that I love it because I had that period not engaged and I hated it um, so now it's something that I choose for myself and it's a way of looking after me yeah. Okay. And so, there, is there an is there a feeling that you you want to be able to share that with other people? Yeah, in I a think, way. I think the self confidence that I gained, and not just because you know I lost you know forty odd kilos, and you know that that gives you a definite self confidence 
when you can achieve things like that. I ran a half marathon. Um, you know, I did a heap of cool stuff. But I think just the engagement in activity and engagement with people around you during activity um, is something that I think everyone should get to experience and get to experience in a way that makes them want to do it more. So if I can, you know, give someone a smile and make them feel a little bit more welcome and help them enjoy a workout that maybe they're really terrible at or hate um, or, you know, don't understand, but they had a good time anyway, I think that's awesome. And I hope that that's something that people can hold on to in their journey to get, yeah, fit. That's cool. Yeah. How do you find um, the, the nature piece? So for someone who's studying as much as you, you're working full time. You get out and hike. You you make the time to go out, and you were saying that it, it you know it, you breathe better. It allows you to clear your mind. Like there's a meditative aspect to it. How do you how do you find the time to do that? Given all the shit you're doing, all the courses you're studying. I um, I'm a big planner. I love a good spreadsheet. Uh, I went on a holiday earlier in the year. I had four spreadsheets. High fives for the spreadsheet <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, man. Had to. <laughs> I had four spreadsheets. Everything was planned. So I have a, have a calendar at home. It's pretty specific. And I will pick a day in advance. So I will plan a day where all I do that day is that's the day I hike. So um, depending on how much time I have that day, I might drive up to the Central Coast um, or go like North Central Coast. I might go out to the Blue Mountains or there's a couple places a bit closer to home. And I make sure that it's a good, you know, four-hour hike at least. I like six hours um, and yeah, that's my day. So quite often it'll be a couple of weeks in advance that I know when I'm hiking next. Right. That's like a, a dedicated day where you almost disconnect from all the, the modern stuff. Yeah, it's a real priority. The day to switch off, I don't use my phone while I hike. Um, it's pretty much just an emergency beacon. That's its only function. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, 10 litres of water because I'm also a bit paranoid about safety. Um, <laughs> so my pack is super heavy and that's my day. I am hiking. I'm so inspired by that because I, I, I want to do that sort of, like I always, I want to be that person in a way. Like I'm always like, yeah, I've got to disconnect from technology and get out in nature more. And I, and I do it sometimes, usually when... You're not allowed. Well... Right? <laughs> I'm the Instagram guy. <laughs> You're locked in. You're never allowed yeah. to turn your phone off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a fucking curse. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like, I think two years ago I went on a, a dis, uh, what was it, a disconnected retreat that a friend of mine ran and they confiscated our phones and computers. Um, we had to hand them in and we didn't get to look at them for four days or five days and it was very slow tempo days, a lot of meditation, a lot of discussion around mindset. And, I, you know, I was, it was like a full detox for me and it was, it was quite incredible. And I was like, man, that was so powerful. I'm going to make time to do that regularly and I'm going to do a disconnected thing like that every year and I haven't done it since, right? But, yeah, um, I, yeah I see the, the, the value of that so much. Yeah. I mean, I think it also helps that I'm with Vodafone, so my reception is generally terrible. <laughs> uh, so... As soon as I hit a mountain, I'm out. Like, yeah, I don't right. have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I think we could all use it with a bit of a detox. I, yeah, I'm also inspired a little bit by, by that. I mean, for sure. I love it. I probably missed the last school holidays. Got a bit of holidays coming up, getting excited. Yeah. Going to get the phone off. It's yeah. the camera thing at the moment, like with my phone. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the camera's I, good, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't have that many people ringing me these days. You know, yeah. not like organising your out of parties and stuff. Exactly. Mm. So that is, it's a camera. So I'm no going on the camping soon. Yeah, they do. No, but I, I just... Only kids. I stopped answering the calls and then I gave <laughs> three or four years and they stopped calling. Took, <laughs> thought it'd take... It happens eventually. But yeah. it happens eventually. Yeah. But well, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to get my camera out for my next trip uh, so I can just keep the phone at the tent type thing. Yeah, I've got yeah. this really cool little uh, front mount oh, clip you were telling me about for that. my camera. So my yeah. camera sits on my chest when I hike, which means I can put my phone in the bottom of my pack and yes. not even worry about it. It's really, really good. I like it. Tell us about Greenland. Iceland. Iceland. That one too. <laughs> it's the best place on earth. <laughs> Greenland, Greenland first. Iceland. Talk <laughs> about Greenland first. <laughs> uh, from what it's I've read... No. <laughs> <laughs> it's got lots of ice. Um, yeah, no, so I went to Iceland in June and I did a six-day hike... Uh, it's called the Lagavega Trail, and I did that. And um, I, 
It's interesting because I've moved around a lot. I've lived in a lot of different places. I've travelled, um, I've been very fortunate to travel quite extensively. And I've never, um, I suppose because we were a bit transient when I was younger, for me, home has always been where people are. It's not a place. Um, so it's always been like where my family unit is. For me, that's home. Um, and then mm. when I got to Iceland, it was really bizarre because I felt this real pull to the place. Um, I didn't know anyone there. I was traveling by myself. And it, well, those six days that I was hiking, um, pretty like middle of nowhere, really, there's nothing around. I felt more at home in that environment than anywhere else I've ever been or lived or anything like that. Viking. Well, I was going to say, Viking. my dad is a ginge. So, yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Mm, um, and yeah, the genes. I loved it so much. I got a photo that I took while hiking tattooed on my ribs recently. So it's pretty with wicked. me forever. Oh, shit, yeah, Very wicked. Too, huh? wicked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. You showed it to me. You're like, check this out. And I'm like, dude, that's sick. What is it? tell <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been flashing everybody. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm more than happy to show you. <laughs> Come give us a look. Um, and how long did you go for? Because you went to a few other countries and hiked there also. Um, so I did some uh, like little um, short hikes in Canada. So I did all up. I was in Hawaii, Canada, Iceland, the Netherlands and Sweden. Um, yes. I did a lot of walking, but not so much hiking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I guess we're going to get to uh, ask about like your training, what you like to do. Um, but when you were traveling, you visited some gyms. And can you tell us uh, where you went to? Did you not go and see the... What's the, that oh. huge guy's name? The yeah, giant? so I had it lined up to go Cut to um, Strongman Gym in Iceland. Okay. And then... Is the that the one in the Vice documentary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was frothing. Tell us about what that is. So, or oh, it, it's, it's a pretty gritty... It's like a garage gym almost. Yes. Um, but some of the strongest people in the world, like strongmen, train, there. train okay. there. And a lot of CrossFit athletes go there now to up their strongman games for the uh -huh. CrossFit games. Uh, it's just a really cool environment and very inclusive. Um, so I Facebooked um, the owner and said, hey, look, like I'm traveling. Who's the owner? Oh, dude, don't make me say his Come name. Come on, say his name. Say <laughs> Magnuson. <laughs> <laughs> Magnuson. Um, yeah, <laughs> just stick with that. Um, yeah, so I Facebooked him and I was like, look, I don't know if you do drop-ins or can I just come see the premises? And he was super keen. Um, the way it played out when I was in this Iceland. This is the, t the, t uh, the tower. Mm. The tower out of... Um, Game of, Thrones? Game of Thrones. The mountain. Yeah. Mountain. That's the biggest, yeah. strongest guy in the world mm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Wait, that's that, that, but that's not the owner of the gym, is it? No, so he trains. He the mountain trains there. Oh, mountain trains but there. But then, um, yeah, the guy who owns it is... Is his coach. Uh, well, he is a strongman. He holds ah. a couple of strongman records. Ah. So, yeah, just beasts. Monsters. Absolutely. The, the mountain's actual coach at the moment is an Australian guy oh. who has a gym in North Sydney. There you go. No way. Yeah, Seba Sebastian Oreb, I think, from Base Gym. Gosh, yeah, he'd be yeah. doing well. Yeah, he's doing all right. Ha yeah, yeah uh, there's, you can watch. Uh, I tried to. They did a um, a video on YouTube where Se Sebastian's a big dude. Then you look at him next to the mountain, and he looks like a f like he looks, he looks tiny. He looks tiny, <laughs> and he did like half the <laughs> looks size. Looks like one of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they did a, a a video where Sebastian followed him around for the day and tried to match everything that the mountain ate. So he had to eat every meal oh that he no. ate. And so, you know, he goes around there at breakfast time and it starts and it's like a dozen rashes of bacon and eight eggs and then a huge bowl of oats and then a protein shake. And, oh. and that's like the first meal. Then they go for a little walk and then come back second meal. And and how, it's, oh, Jesus. It's fucking disgusting, man. How big is the mountain? <laughs> how big is he? How tall is he? Just, I think, does anyone know? I don't know. Six, and a, no six seven. Yeah, he's six, huge. Seven? Yeah, he's oh. have, yeah. What, like Andre the Giant? He's like 200 bigger? kilo plus. Ah. Uh, I saw some photos of Andre the Giant recently and he's just massive. His hands are like the size of his laptop. He was a big laptop. dude, but he had, he had gigantism. Yeah. He did, yeah. Like, okay. like Tony Robbins and also like yours <laughs> from uh, 007. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. It's different. Yeah. Were you about to tell us that well, – tell, keep telling the story. Did he oh, – what so happened yeah, in the Facebook exchange? He was totally down for me to go in and train <clears> and obviously, <throat> like, like you said, because um, I, was, I was in certain locations for at least a week and mm. I like to train when I travel. Um, so I always look up places that have like a two-week trial membership or something like that um, and join up while I'm there and then at least get yeah, a couple of... Yeah, we get of, them. 
<laughs> and I sit down and do the consult and I'm like, oh, it's one of them. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I like um, uni gyms are great because very low expectations, <laughs> very low price. It's great. Um, yeah, so I like to um, find a gym close to where I'm staying so that I know that if I feel like it, and I usually do a couple of times during the week, mm. I can go down, have a play on their equipment, see what they've got, um, usually cringe at some form. Make some um, friends. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I did tell. I did get told to move out of the squat rack because I was doing some push jerks, and old mate came over. And Unacceptable. He's like, I know, and he's like, "Mate, oh, you've got to move." And I was actually I was on the O platform. They had four O platforms in this gym, and I was using one. And um, then he saw that I was push jerking about fifty kilos, and they're all in pounds, so it's about a hundred pound. And um, he didn't believe me when I said that was the weight that I'd be pushing. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I saw him watching me from behind, (laughs) like double-checking my weight. And it wasn't until I put on, you know, the actual weight and started working out. And then he was like, oh, oh, yeah. And gave me like the little nod in the mirror and left. (laughs) Just a hunter? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. He must have just been a regular and just wasn't keen on someone taking up an O platform. Three of which were empty, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you just, okay. He just wasn't there for it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a bit of a dick. Um I can't remember where that was going, but yeah, I like to train when I travel. So I look up gyms close to where I'm staying, I join up for a week or two and then bugger off. <laughs> so did you get to the strongman gym? No. So when I got back from the hike, um, transport around that area of Iceland to get there was pretty limited. And then I way overestimated how active I'd be when I got back from the hike and I was ruined. So uh-huh. I ended up uh, having some good food and went to bed. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Did you try the, uh, they have a fermented fish there that's I've seen on food shows that's apparently like horrible? Yeah, the fermented shark. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, I didn't go that far. I did eat... Um, like I, I think Anthony Bourdain like couldn't, he had to spit it out. Like it's like, yeah. looks, d- seems rank. I ate at that same restaurant that he was there eating the shark. Okay. Um, but no, Best. I didn't eat that. I did have some Icelandic horse. Um, mm which I was a bit conflicted about at the time, but the way that they procure their horse is quite, yeah, it's pretty traditional. It's all right. So I did try that. And is it I like the splayed eagle? That's <laughs> what they, the Vikings do, isn't it? <laughs> what is well, that? I got, a, I got a story about eating horse. Do you? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, just quickly, Paul and I were traveling. We traveled together when we were, when we were uh, Don't tell like him. early 20s. And we went to, we spent a couple of weeks in Japan on our way to Europe for the World Cup in Germany. Don't tell them, bro. We're in Japan. And, uh, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> when you're in Japan, you just, I've you, eaten half this. the time you don't know what you're eating, right? Like you're eating all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you go to a place and, they, and it's got pictures on, the, you know, if you're lucky enough, the place has pictures on the menu and you're like, oh, okay, like that looks good. We'll have that. We'll have that. And um, so you, and then, you, you know, we were meeting people and asking them what they think we should get. And so you, you're trying all these things. And we had some, Don't we had some them, different, different, uh, like a selection of sashimi one night. And one of them was like a horse sashimi. Yeah, right. And it was like this lean, thin piece of horse meat on the, you know, the, the rice. And uh, I just remember it being really chewy. It was, you know, just like a, a really lean piece of red meat. Uh, no big deal. Cut to like a month later, Paul and I have been traveling around in Germany for the World Cup, going to different cities to watch games and whatever. And this, this one night we get caught out. The game's finished. We've been out drinking. We tried to get back to somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it was one of, the, one of the few nights we didn't have any accommodation booked. I actually didn't know what story this was <laughs> for a second, but yeah, I get it now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're, we're literally like sort of fumbling uh, through these like, uh, like through this train station in like somewhere semi-rural and uh, the, we could see that the, 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 the trains are going to stop running soon. And we got nowhere to go. We yeah. were looking. We were looking to sleep in the train station because the last one was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. we're like, yeah, and we had our lonely planet out, and we're trying to figure it out. And this this girl approaches us, and she and she's German, and she's like, oh, um, are you guys okay? Do you need some help? And we said, oh, look, we're you know we told her our story. We're just looking for some, you know, we're just trying to find a, a hotel or something. Can you recommend something? She's and she cute said, too. She was young. She was, yeah. And she we were like surprised that she came and spoke to us because yeah. you wouldn't get this sort of. Not uh, at all. Yeah. Thing here. Go on. Yeah, it was like it was quite <laughs> exceptional. And she said, "Well, um, look, just you can come with me and stay at my place if you want. I got my my family house." Hey. And we're like, "Oh, you're such a legend! Like this is incredible." 
So we get in a car and she drives us and it's like whatever, 10, 15 minutes on the train station. And it's quite rural and there's, you know, a lot of sort of farm country and, and whatnot. And then we pull into her, her, her family place and it's kind of, they got like a horse stable there. And uh, I'm like, oh, wow, there's horses and stuff. And um, we, we pull in and we get out of the car and then um, she takes us upstairs and she's like, oh, just be quiet. Like my brothers are young and they're sleeping there. My parents are here and you guys can sleep in this room here. And I don't know what the fuck came over me, but I was looking just to, to try and just, you know, fill the, the gap in conversation or something. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, you've got horses. And she said, yes. And I said, Paul and I were in Japan a couple of weeks ago and we ate horse. <laughs> and she looked at us like we were fucking monsters. Like she was just like, oh, okay. Um, well, have a good sleep anyway. Please try to be quiet and like left Shut us. Shut the door on us. Yeah. We're in like your little sister's bedroom or something yeah. like that. And Paul's like, you fucking... Why did you say that, What Paul? are you doing? And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I thought it, I thought it would bring us closer. Like, <laughs> yeah, real bonding moment. Yeah. It was like 12. So she wakes us up at like 5.30 in the morning to drive us to the first train. Yeah. She's like, I'll take it. So like we got in there at dark and we... I think we left and it was still dark, yeah. Like, she was cool, right? She was, yeah, she was cool. She didn't but like it was awkward. or anything. No, but it was awkward. But I yeah. was like, oh, that's a good lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, don't casually mention you're going to eat her pets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I was a bit conflicted about the whole eating horse thing. It's not a meat that I've, you know, ever really strived to eat before. Um, but so in Iceland, all of their horses have the genetic makeup of Viking horses. They've huh. never had introduced bloodlines onto the island. Um, so they're all genetically identical to the ones that came over with the Vikings, which I think is just fucking sick. Um, do, they, do they look uh, significantly different or a particular way? They do. They look like their legs are too short for their bodies. Okay. Um, yeah, we yeah. were really lucky. We saw a herd while we were hiking. They came up real close. So that was really a special moment. Of wild horses. Yeah. So They're stocky like the uh, polo... Yeah, yeah. So they've got short legs, but they're like full-bodied size horses. So they look a little bit disproportionate. But they live outside year-round. They don't get coats during the winter. They long manes. Yeah, they find their own food. Um, Like they herd them, so they're domesticated to a point, but they're still very much a wild animal. Um, So what happens is occasionally in the herd, um, you'll get like a, a young male who causes a lot of trouble. Uh, for the herd, causes fights, maybe injures a couple of the other horses. It's just not doing very well. Um, so they cull those ones and hmm. they're the ones that they end up eating. Oh, wow. So it's a very traditional like... Take troublemakers mate, out of the equation. Yeah, get your head in line or you're out. So, yeah, from that sort of perspective, it's very much, um, you know, it's how they look after their own horse population. Should do that with humans. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a bit drastic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not eat them. Not a bad call. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do the dirty work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. Once that was explained to us, I was a bit more okay with giving it a go, and surprisingly, I liked it. Bit, yeah, a bit conflicted. I've heard of this uh, this approach to raising horses here, mm. uh, and I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of it's it's a maybe similar to like a permaculture idea for. For, uh, for the land, but it's like, don't give them coats in winter because mm-hmm. they, will, they will just look after themselves. Yep. And don't, um, and there's a method of like not putting horseshoes on them and they just develop their own amount of callus. And, yeah. And then I started to think, oh yeah, it's funny. Like we have this species of animal that we feel the need to put shoes on them and, mm-hmm. you know, and probably we've done it for so long that certain, uh, certain lines of, of those animals do require it now because they've adapted to it. Yeah, and I mean, I know nothing about horses, but um, yeah, I th- just thought it was really cool. And they do the same thing with their sheep. So Iceland has a massive population of sheep. They live wild all year. And then once a year, all the farmers get together, they herd the sheep, they kill as many lambs and sheep that they need for food and export. They shear them and then they let them go. So the sheep sort of just move around the wet weather patterns, move to where the food is, sort of look after themselves for the year. And then, um, yeah, when it comes time for collection they just herd them all up take what they need and let them go again so it's a really interesting way of sustaining their resources i guess that's cool yeah yeah i got the details on half thor he's 30 years old there you go he looks about 45 (laughs) he's six foot nine so he's 206 centimeters and he's between 180 and 200 kilos oh that's a big person decent human yeah crikey yeah yeah fuck that's bigger Monster. than The Rock, right? I'd like to be that big someday. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be bigger than Andre the Giant. It's got to uh, be. Yeah. 
that thickness. Bigger muscle as well. Yeah. I, Iceland, strongman gym, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. You you like to lift heavy stuff here at the gym. I do. Um, what is it? Uh, <laughs> we would say you're one of the uh, one of the strongest women in the gym, Thank easily. You. What do you? What is it about lifting heavy stuff and being strong that appeals to you? Uh, I think it was one of the things I found that I naturally was inclined to. So I'm not a fast person. Um, I can't jump for shit, Um, but I can move heavy things and I can usually move heavy things with a bit of endurance. Um, Like I like, um, you know, picking up like a heavy plate or filling my backpack with something really heavy and just walking for as long as I can. Um, And I find I'm, I'm pretty okay at that. I can push heavy wheelbarrows, you know, just shit like that I like to do um, and I think it's a little bit because I can do it um, naturally I have a bit of an aptitude for it um, but also I, it's just fun and it's just something about knowing that there's something really really heavy on the floor and you can pick that up that <laughs> just makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> you sound so simple right now <laughs> but I get no, it big yeah. things lift yeah. up yes <laughs> dig <Yeah>. a hole <laughs> tell us about your goal on the goal board Oh, jump onto a goddamn box. Yeah. <laughs> is that a phobia? You know, a little bit it is. I've been practicing it. Um, so th- we have a, there's a few different gyms um, that I've been to because they've got the soft boxes. So I've been practicing jumping up onto the soft boxes. <clears throat> yes. Pansy boxes. They are pansy boxes. <laughs> Plan B boxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, those boxes um, are good. Well, yeah, they're serving a purpose for the moment. Um, and I have managed to jump. The thing is, I know that I have the power to make that height. I know that I can jump that high. It's just a matter of mentally jumping onto the box. And I, it's just something I have this massive block and phobia about. Yeah, I don't know. For someone who used to do trampolining as a sport, and I can't, I'm scared of jumping. It's bizarre. It happens to adults, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is. I'll get there. Is that, I'll get there. It's that, uh, it's that, that idea of missing the box and taking all the skin off your shin. Yeah, or going through the box for some reason. That's a big thing that I have in my head, like landing on it and then it would just... Trap dooring. Yeah. It's a possibility in this gym. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you tightened them up recently. Yeah. Yeah. They were getting a bit loose there for a second. Freshly serviced. A bit wobbly. Did up those screws. (laughs) They're older than my kids, those boxes. Those boxes have been around. Those boxes carry some DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Saw someone walking out the other day with a big bandage on their shins. Boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nailed. Yeah. I remember it happened to me once. T and, uh, the three of us were going somewhere. We're in Redfern. We're going to look at a park. This is before we had a gym. And we were thinking about maybe running a class there. I don't know if you remember this. And we're walking past um, just off whatever the street was. There was a brick wall. And the brick wall was about, I don't know, like a metre a metre high. And I was like, hey, T, can you jump onto this wall? I was like, so bet childish. you can't jump onto this wall. So and T was like... <laughs> P was like, T was like, oh, it looks pretty high. And I had a crack <laughs> and I just fucking axed my shin. Oh. Like I tried to jump on his wall and I, I just didn't really give it the respect it deserved. And I was just like, threw a jump out of kind of nowhere and fucked it up. And You're it right. like dug into my shin and I was like, oh shit, that really hurt. And, um, and then T was like, oh, okay, fuck, let me, let me just have a go at this. Oh. And he like, he just gave it a moment and like thought about it and primed himself and then he did it. And yeah. I was like, well, that was a shit challenge. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about right now? You know those podcasts that get so popular, um, like ours one day, that they, they have like fans who make little animated cartoons about the little audio stories? Have you seen those? <laughs> no. Haven't seen those? No. So they take like, uh, like a snippet, so say you told that story, and then an animator will make the cartoon, <laughs> and it's like a 2D, and I can see like you and T shuffling down the street, <laughs> and then T going... Bet you can't do that. Yeah. Meh, 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 meh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meh, 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 type thing. Oh, I could just Amazing. see that. It was a flashback. Yes. The Joe just fucking that up. Yeah. I think a big thing with my box jumps is a few years ago when I ran, I did a half marathon. And through a combination of uh, maybe some misguided coaching, a lot of stubbornness on my part, and some really um, like undernourishment for my nutrition, I ended up with a very serious hip injury, which took me about two years to rehab, um, to even be able to squat to parallel um, without weight. So from that, jumping and running used to cause me a lot of pain in my hips. And I think sometimes I know that I can jump that height, but sometimes if I think about it too much, I'm straight back in that pain cave. 
and that's a big thing to remember that I'm not there anymore. So there's also that sort of um, mental block when it takes you back to being that injured sort of incapable person again and it's a Mm. big thing to get over, big thing. Can I ask you when is the goal set for and what are you doing for it at the moment, if anything? So I'm practising in private. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Safe. Yeah, usually when there's no one else in the gym and I have a corner and I have my little soft box and I just jump on it. Um, Yeah, so practicing a lot in private, doing a lot of visualization. This thing's taking up a lot more time than I thought it would in my life. Um, But we set the goals, I think, in June and it's a six to eight month goal board. So I'm hoping by like January maybe, by Australia Day. Let's say by Australia Day, I'll jump onto a bloody box. I'll hold you to that. Thanks. (laughs) What height? What height would you say? You know what, just the, the lowest. What's the lowest one when it's on its side? The Okay, LA. What's that, 24, 24. inches? 24, yeah, it might 20? be 20. Yeah, 20, 24. It's like 20, 24, yep. 30 something. 30 or something like that, yeah. Yep. Look, it's we'll not s- low. It's not low, but it's also not obscenely high. Like there's a lot of people in this gym who do those box jumps very well and you they know, are the envy of my eye. A good way to train for that? Jump onto a box? No, is to, do <laughs> stair, is to jump upstairs. Because stairs, you can achieve the same height, mm-hmm. but the one, you're not going to fall off it. Like you're not going to trip over and like face plant, yeah. but you're also much less likely to shin yourself because the stairs step up, you know, in increments. So yeah, you're just kind of, if you trip, you'll land on all fours. Look at that, Joey with the training gold. Yeah, I remember reading that uh, as a post from Ido, Ido Portal a long time ago, but it was like how to train explosiveness as you get older. And you don't want the risk of injury. And it was like stair jumps are really good. Well, go. It's handy. Going to have cool. to take my uh, box jumping practice into a public forum. Right. <laughs> find a set of stairs. Mm. <laughs> how, many, how many times and how many reps and stuff like that? Or is it just kind of freestyle at the moment? It's really freestyle. Um, you know, it's not like a, it's not something that I'm really, really striving for. Like it's more a personal thing that I really just want to get. Yes. Um, so it's when I have the time, the facilities um, yeah, and then I just jump for as long as I can or want to and, yeah, until I feel good. We'll check in with you towards <laughs> Christmas and then yeah. you might have to ramp that up. I'd you, like to help. Yeah, and you should consider following my uh, six-week jump program. <laughs> That's if you oh, the one where you lost episode. fight? Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's bringing the realness <laughs> back to training. <laughs> Once a week, 20 yeah. reps. All about the results. Andre the Giant, by the way... Is Two point two four meters tall. Dang! Oh, Holy shit! Big. Did it have a weight estimate for him? Build weight, two hundred and thirty-five point nine oh, kilos. Oh, oh, giant, giant little little. Makes half Thor look like a child. Shit! Well, that's a big. Look at that face on big him. guy. Mm. Oh, dude! That's his biggest. Yeah, it's a good mug. Yeah. yeah, I saw some really cool old black and white photos of him. Just you know, candid ones. Mm-hmm. Can't remember what I was looking at, but it was just like. Sitting next to a normal person, you could see his hands and he wasn't posing, he wasn't on the stage. And you could just see everything around him, which has made him look so much bigger. Yeah. Just massive. Supposedly there were like... like a bullhead. I remember when I was in England and I was at a museum and I saw a sword that was like as tall as I was. Yeah. had this huge handle on it and I was like, there's no way Anyone. someone could even pick that up, let alone swing it in battle. But I read the little insert. Supposedly every kind of like battalion of... Vikings that would come in, I don't know what they're called, but a group of Vikings that would land, they'd always have one or two, like, monsters. And they just had God. this massive sword and they would just plough through the front line to make space for all the other Vikings to Jesus. come in from the side and Jesus. chop their way through. So they had giants. So it'd be OG like giants. guys that yeah. had this size with these massive swords. And they last about two minutes <laughs> and then they'd walk to the back and they'd have a big breather. <laughs> and then they'd come back in again and just like, rawr, rawr, just slicing through Dang. bodies. So cool. Oh. That's intense, man. Carnage. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty Game of Thrones is your heart out. Sword. Yeah, it's <laughs> It is cool when you see that stuff in Game of Thrones, like the purpose-built or the purpose-selected yeah. warriors. Yeah, man. You know, they've got the giants that come in and do that yeah. and they've got the little guys that are fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something so cool about that to watch. Very cool. Hey, um, talk to me about the – you mentioned the forensic piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, so uh, what were the shows? CSI? Uh, NCIS. So I actually um, got banned from watching those when I was little 
um, <laughs> because I kept getting really angry at how incorrect the science was. <laughs> so my mum banned me and even now, like my dad's quite a fan of NCIS um, and even now when I watch it, I can see him watching me out of the corner of my eye, out of the corner of his eye. He's like, Alex, if you can't watch it and not say anything, you're not allowed to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, so forensics actually... Interesting. It's been a big thing in my life for like 21 years now, I realised the other day. So I was um, seven when I decided I was going to be a forensic pathologist. <laughs> and, um, that is awesome. Right? What inspired a seven-year-old Alex to, <laughs> to do that? Just came across an article or... Yeah, so, um, I, so I was accelerated through school. Like I was yes. mad nerd. So I was in grade two at the time and I got um, given free access to the senior school library. Like big big thing in my life <laughs> so I was um you know wandering the shelves one day and I found this book about missing persons right so much info totally I was just like <laughs> my brain was exploding um yes yeah, so I found this book cool. about missing persons and there was a story in there about a lady who was found drowned in a bathtub and her husband was missing and it looked like she right this is a seven-year-old reading this so to put this <laughs> in a context looked like she just had too much wine and had passed out and drowned in her bathtub and everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, no big deal. Where's her husband type thing? Totally. Um, but anyway, so a forensic pathologist came in, did an autopsy and found a couple of needle marks in her armpit. And from that ran this tox screen and found that she'd actually been overdosed and had been intentionally killed. And then now it put a bit of a different spin on her husband missing, right? So mm-hmm. he ended up getting charged and sentenced for her murder. Um and it just blew my mind that there was people out there who were so intelligent and so observant and so educated that they had been able to distinguish between an accidental death and actual murder and being able then to contribute to getting justice for that person. Mm. Blew my mind. I was like, when you're smart as a kid, people are like, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart, blah, blah, blah. You don't know what that means. You don't have real-world application. And at seven, I don't think too many people are concerned with real-world application of what their gifts are. Mm. But, um, yeah, that really just hit home on a lot of levels with me. And so I went home and uh, Mum's like, oh, how's your day at school? I was like, great, I'm going to be a forensic pathologist. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's like, what the hell is that? And I said, well, you know, it's a, it's a doctor, but you cut up dead people and find out how they died. And mum just looked at me and I remember she was like trying to keep it cool. And she's like, why can't you just be a doctor? (laughs) Why does it have to involve dead people? Um, But yeah, that was me sold. So I read everything that I could. Um, I think mum tried to put some boundaries on it. Like I don't think I was allowed to read about serial killers or anything until I was about 10. Um, (laughs) So until then it was all like the science. So ballistics and fingerprints and... Um, you know, there's a lot of science uh, in forensics and that was really what drew me in. So, yeah, and ever so, since then... So it's, cri- it's, cri- it's investigating a crime scene? Yeah, so forensics... Um, well, the word forensics means for the court. So it's anything that can be produced in a court of law um, for an investigation. So forensics, a lot of people associate it with police, um, but the purpose of forensics is for the court. So it can be used by the defence and a prosecution. Um, It can be used for, like, coronial purposes. Um, Yeah, so it can be a whole range of stuff. There's a whole um, field. So you can have psychology that's forensics. You can have um, ballistics, soil examination, bugs... Um, as well as like your more typical crime scene sort of stuff, which would be like your DNA and your fingerprints and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And, and then for people working in it, they would specialise in one of those areas. Or would you kind of have a finger in all of those pies? No, generally people have a specialisation because they're their own branches of science. So yeah. it's really applied sciences. Um, you've got your... Uh, like base sciences like physics, biology and chemistry. They all have branches of forensics. Um, and then you've got you know, mix and matches. So you've got uh, pattern recognition, which is, you know, fingerprint identification or facial recognition. Uh, you've got, like, a tool mark comparison, which can be ballistics or mm. a whole range of things. Um, and they're all little bits of different sciences put together. Um, and forensics pretty much was the application of sciences which already existed. So people were studying bugs for hundreds of years. And then one day someone sort of realised, oh, that's actually applicable in this context. And then it was introduced um, to the court as a whole big process. Um, and, yeah, so that's how forensic entomology was born. <coughs> the, yeah. Give us an example of, of a bug scenario. 
So bugs can be used to establish time of death, um, approximate time of death. It's a really hard thing to establish exactly when someone's died post-mortem. Um, but so a really common one is looking at the stage of a maggot that's present on a deceased. So huh. whether it's, you know, in its really in early infancy, whether it's cocooned or whether it's then hatched into, um, say, like a fly and um, whether or not that fly has then been able to lay a second generation of eggs. Oh, wow. So there's a whole timing thing that can be used um, to pinpoint to a certain degree at least um, when, you know, a deceased person or animal or anything like that has been in that location. I, I, th I, th I knew that. Yeah. And I feel like it was from the movie Seven or something. I learned that. But yeah, I think from it does come in. It's pretty popular, that one. Everyone yeah. loves a good bug story. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my forensic heroes is a forensic entomologist in America. And uh -huh. he was sort of like the, I guess, the grandfather of modern day forensic entomology. Really cool dude. Um, he's got heaps of books, but he used to like rock up to crime scenes on a motorbike. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He had to fight hard um, to get it sort of established as a reputable science. Uh, but he did, and now it's, yeah, really cool. Um, last school holidays, I was watching TV with my nephew, and uh, we were watching something random. It was about uh, bridges. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, uh, about 60 to 80 years ago, I think, bridges and overpasses were all the rage worldwide. So when a lot of bridges were put up and overpasses in Europe, in the States, and there was a bit of a race towards just, like, growth in the developing countries... Um, and in the last 15 years, there's been a bunch of bridge disasters and it was showing how um, bridges are kind of ageing and they're saying that in the next 10 years or so, we're going to start seeing a lot of these overpass disasters become more frequent. Yeah, right. But they had like three uh, particular th case studies and they had like forensics on the bridges, like forensics teams working on the bridges and it was just blowing your mind. Like people specialise in this. Yeah. They're taking like samples... That, like the bridge falls and then it's like a crime scene mm -hmm. and they get cranes in, they take concrete away, sample things. Yep. It was like so full on, it's so impressive. Yeah, and there's such a broad spectrum of occupations and applications under the term forensics. Like obviously everyone goes straight to the crime scene um, sort of aspect and I guess that's probably the most popular and um, makes for the best TV viewing sort of aspect people love those disaster oh, forensics breakdowns like the yeah. i got a friend who's addicted to the plane the plane disasters oh yeah shows. he loves that me. yeah that was a bit hey <laughs> yeah that shit's fascinating though yeah it's mm. fascinating yeah um, ncis i used to love ncis oh, the yeah. one with the silver fox guy yep mm -hmm. um, gibbs I think. gibbs yeah and they had the other two with the tension sexual tension between them tasha and I, my wife we used to love that show yeah but i want to uh, what do you think of uh guy ritchie's uh, Sherlock Holmes, because they're so entertaining, those movies. But how's the science on them? Uh, look, those ones, I think <laughs> the entertainment value is high enough that I can sort of okay. blink over a few things. Um, there's a few things like, um, I remember Blade. I think it's Blade 3. They is that with Ryan Reynolds? Oh, that Blade one? 3? I don't know. Oh, that's the one where there's the female? I think so, yeah. yeah. But they go around um, like with this solution in a needle and it's a solvent. But it's colourless, but in the movie it's bright blue. And I remember just watching it and that bugged me to no end. Because it was bright blue. Yeah, and it's a stupid little thing. But <laughs> like nothing's bright it, blue like that? There are a few things that are bright blue, but not that thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> not that thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really big on details. I, I got a film for you. Talk mm. to me about Concussion. concussion. You seen that? Concussion with no. Will Smith? No. And he plays the African doctor, the Nigerian doctor in Pittsburgh, I think, who discovers... CTE. Yeah, right. And the, the you know the brain yeah. the brain trauma condition. Yeah. And uh, exposes the NFL as you know um, causing athletes to have this brain condition that that yeah. you know ultimately leads to their demise, which has now launched it into you know this worldwide thing where we now realise that contact sports are potentially quite problematic. Uh, have you are you familiar with that story? I am familiar with that story because uh, I remember I think that came out. I had a concussion last year. And it came out around the time that that had happened. And I remember being very nervous because there was all this talk about the long-term effects of concussion. And I was concussed. And I was terrified. <laughs> Too much. Yeah, you know the science. Yeah. And um, it was interesting because uh, my seeing a physio 
in Alexandria for my concussion rehab and he had a like he had a lot to say about it but at the time I was just trying to remember what my name was so it was a little bit like (laughs) I'm really interested but also have very limited uh cognitive ability right now dude (laughs) yeah Apparently that guy the other day said um, that he thinks, I don't know what the time frame was, but it was like within the next 20 or 30 years, uh, contact sports will no longer exist because we will know too much about them that the risk-reward ratio would just be not worthwhile for people to go towards it. Not that he said they won't exist, but I think he was getting at like the big business of contact sports like Mm -hmm. NFL and rugby league and all those things will just suffer too much that they will kind of cease to operate on the level they do. Yeah, people still play, they'll still get yeah. paid. Though, people still, pl- well, yeah, but if the, I mean, I guess if it gets damaged too much, then you maybe don't have the engagement. And if you don't have the engagement, then you don't have the fan base and then you don't have the sponsorship and it kind of all gets a bit smaller. They'll probably throw some money to make a counter doco. Well, if you, if you look, if you watch that movie, it's, it's not a bad film, except yeah. Will Smith playing in Nigeria and, it, you know, you kind of see mm. through it, Fresh Prince. But the, <laughs> but the whole story <laughs> is him trying to, him discovering this thing that is, it's kind of like an epidemic within this team or within this sport and then him trying to expose it because he's so passionate about it and then the um, the organisation that is the NFL trying to silence him yeah, because right. they're just like, fuck that, you're not going to shut down this thing. Okay. And it's, you know, and it's this, it's this battle between yeah. this corporate entity but also this culture that of a city and of a country that really loves this game and yeah. then this guy being like, look, I love it too but... It's, it's killing your people and here's why. And so it's this battle. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hey, like I love NRL, especially, um, you know, I consider myself a Queenslander as far as you know, anything. I oh, know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's in the blood. Um, yes, I love the NRL, but and trying to picture a future where rugby league, as we know it, doesn't exist anymore. But then you think like there was a time where people thought that gladiator stadiums and jousting, you know, they couldn't picture a life without that either. Yes. And we all saw how that turned out. So, you know, maybe it's something Bring it similar. Back. <laughs> people still doing it. <laughs> Jousting's back in back in fashion. Are they still dying in it though? No, no, yeah, no, 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 different. No, 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 yeah. No. I guess you could still die, like the but you're not trying to kill the other person. You're jousting yeah. two horses when you do the with the lance. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's Knock a full. That's a full on sport. <laughs> <laughs> but man, Paul and I worked with. Oh, maybe T did a bit too when we worked on Superman mm-hmm. back in the day. Ian Roberts w- mm. was in that film. He was one of um, he was one of Lex Luthor's henchmen. And, you know, do you know Ian Roberts? Yeah, man. Yeah, like he was like the, one of the original bruisers or yep. enforcers of the sport. Uh, and he was so, I remember him being on set and stuff and you just see him, he was, he's such a humble guy and he's just this fucking giant. And everyone was like, oh man, how impressive is Roberts, eh? Like he's just so jacked. And his face <laughs> is all scarred up and he just looks super tough. Mm-hmm. But he, I remember there was a, um, maybe it was like on 7.30 report of Four Corners or something of him talking about, uh, he, 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 he ventured into acting after his football career had ended and uh, he got to a point where he started forgetting his lines and he couldn't, yeah. and he started having these, these just these, these brain problems. Yep. And uh, so he then went on a campaign around trying to That's educate right. young league yeah. players yeah. not to fuck, you know, not to play with a concussion and all this. So that was like the early sort of stages of yeah. us becoming more aware of it. It was really sad actually because you know, big friendly giant and then he's kind of losing his, losing his marbles a bit. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I love rugby league. I love watching people run into each other at speed. No, you know, <laughs> here, here, no holds here, on. Here. And the sound of that impact, like, gives me life. But, yeah. um, you know, you also don't want to think of those people that you're really, like, idolising on the field, those really heavy hitters, the people who run into anything. You don't want to think that in 20 years they're going to be struggling mentally because of what yeah, you're watching right. and enjoying. Yeah. So it's kind of conflicting when you look at it from that perspective. And you I know, can't watch it in anymore because of too that. Too brutal? Really? Yeah, yeah right. I just watch these young young kids because they're young now. Like mm. I look at these, these guys and it's true. there was a time when mm. I used to look at them and think, wow, that's an adult. Now I look at them and I just see a bunch of kids that are just like destroying themselves. And you hear that hit and you know it's not just the brain, it's the spine, it's the knees, the shoulders... Yeah, and they come out injured, and then like two weeks later, they're back on the field. You're they're like, back. "How are you back on the field when you've snapped like a tendon or something?" You think <laughs> there's no there's yeah. no lifespan in that. Well, I had um like my concussion last year. It took seven weeks for me to be cleared to work out again. Um, so it was a full like it was a it was an ordeal. 
And then I see, you know, players who are diagnosed with concussion during a game and they're back playing within two weeks. At two weeks during mine. Well, that's the problem with the yeah. NRL. It's the frequency. Yeah. Like, I mean, fighting is pretty brutal as well, but I guess the, the top tier people, rest. yeah, they're like forced rest. Six months for like a knockout, isn't it? In the UFC, yeah. 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 I mean, there's probably But that's so only if you're contracted to that event, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're a freelance fighter, oh, man. you can jump between promotions and fight every week. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, they've, the thing is, they've found it, and this is the alarming thing, they've found evidence of it even in soccer players from heading the ball. Yes. Yeah, right. And it's like... Well, I said it was worse than boxers. I think, that, yeah. yeah. We well, would think the frequency vo- would be a lot higher for it's, heading the ball because it's yeah. all the practice as well as yeah, the game exactly. application, right? And when you're whipping a ball in from a corner and you're meeting it, yeah, yeah it's yeah, brutal. The ball's travelling so, like a... 100 k's an hour sometimes? You just made Yeesh. that up. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Fast. No, no. I th- I was no, no, yeah, it's true. to the same reports. Yeah. Sometimes faster. Yeah, well, ever since yeah. I heard that, I always thought twice when playing soccer. Also, doing uh, the same tests on kids now too. And supposedly there's, there's, there's uh, evidence brain, brain yeah. trauma. Wow. For kids as, as young as seven. Oh, mate, because that's all my uh, seven-year-old wants to do now. You, you wonder if it's something similar to like, um, like say, with the spine, uh, mm. where... You know, if you put a magnifying glass on anyone's spine, you'll see damage, mm-hmm. slip mm-hmm. discs and impingements and that kind of thing because spines just take wear and tear and it's a piece of machinery that we have and over time it gets damaged. But uh, the, the hope is that the damage is, is such that it doesn't prohibit you from doing anything and yep. you naturally age and whatever. You wonder if there's a similar thing. There has to be a similar thing with the brain, right? In that there is going to be damage that, that occurs over the years. Supposedly it heals a lot slower though. You'd probably know more about that than I would. But yeah, yeah, damage to the brain takes a long time to heal. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a bone that can just reset sort of mm. within six to eight weeks. You look at people with acquired brain injuries and sometimes their rehab can take years um, and they might never gain the full function that they had prior to the injury. Um, but they, you know, they might be able to get to a point where at least they can live independently and you know, not have to ask someone every time they need to dole out change or something like that. Um, or can at least move their hands enough to pay for something. Um, so, yeah, the brain can be... Brain's really mysterious sort of thing. We have no idea, really, um, the level of complexity that it has, which mm. I think is just awesome. <laughs> once, you you get a con- once you get a concussion, I believe you get concussed easier. I think L- so. And, the and that's the body just switching it off in combat or in the game. So it's the same way that you kind of lose your chin as a fighter. I, I hear that, but you yeah. get concussed... There's Easier, actually a um, there's a website. It's like the National Concussion Bro Science something. Sorry. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I only learned about when I got my concussion, and it's actually a way that um, nationwide you can have your cognitive skills assessed and all your scores put onto this uh, website database. So if you ever do receive a, another head injury or suspected concussion or anything like that, you can redo these tests and actually find out how much your cognition has been affected um, by the impact. So I thought that was really cool to have sort of a baseline uh, record, but obviously you have to have had that assessed prior to your injury to see any sort of difference. Um, mm. But my scores from the beginning of my injury to the rehab were incredible. And to actually have it documented like that, it would be interesting um, if they could do like a, a long study of people all on this database and even having people without head injuries, having their scores recorded over periods of time to see the natural deterioration compared to head injuries as well. An yeah. impact sport. Definitely, I think they're definitely. probably onto that kind of stuff now. Yeah, think. yeah. Yeah, it was something else I had no no idea about and thought it was really cool. What type of questions are on there? So or how do they assess it? Uh, a lot of it was from memory uh, reaction times. So, you know, catching a ruler with your hands okay. when they drop it, um, which is amazing how slow they can become. Mm. Um, there was also things like you'd be read out a number sequence and you'd start at like four numbers and you'd have to repeat it backwards. And so it's how many numbers and how many repetitions you can do that before you lose your place. Mm. Uh, initially, when I started, I think the goal is to get up to about 10 numbers. So reads out 10 numbers to you, you repeat them backwards. Um, initially, I got to five and failed. <laughs> like five of that first 10? Yeah, so he'd be like three, four, five, whatever. And then I'd get the first one and blank like it would just there was just mm. nothing there um and or then later in the rehab yeah later like to get cleared you have to sort of okay. be able yep. to do it um and then 
yeah, so it's a whole lot of like word associations and remembering things, doing another task and then coming back to what you were given initially. So it's all that sort of cognition skill. Um, and then that's, yeah, cumulatively put into a score through this database. Cool. Yeah. Hey, um, we're going to wrap it up there. We've crossed over an hour. Dang. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a wide-ranging chat today. Yeah. I would like to, uh, maybe down the track, maybe when you start to, maybe you do some work in EP or you do some work in forensics or something like that. Yeah, man. It would be cool to come and hit you up and get you back on the show. Um, I would like to just ask for, for a takeaway. Uh, mm-hmm. what, I, what I think, when I, everything that we've spoken about today, <laughs> um, the one thing that I'm like, what could people take from this? The walk that you do in nature when you, when you uh, schedule it into your calendar and you go do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just walk us through like the three steps to do that. Like you sit down, look at your calendar, what happens? So I think the first thing is to prioritise an activity. So I'm really into hiking, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be hiking. I think it's just something that you can commit to which you know will force you to um, introspect a bit, go into yourself, find that meditative sort of place. Um, So, yeah, identify an activity and then make time. So it's not something that you're like, oh, I have a spare day, I might do this. It's something that you sit down and think about and you're like, right, on this day, I'm going to commit to doing it. And, you know, stuff happens. You might not be able to do it 100% of the time. But that time um, that you've put aside is really prioritised to that activity. The third one is doing it. Like, you can have it on your calendar, (laughs) but it doesn't mean it's just going to happen, you know, willy-nilly. You actually have to get up that day and put on your shoes and pack your bag, get in the car and go. Um, which I think can be sometimes the biggest hurdle. You wake up, you're like, oh, I just want to sleep in or, oh, maybe I'll go out for breakfast. And No, just fucking do what you said you were going to do and you'll, yeah, you'll be thankful for it later. Nice. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Alex, thank you for coming on and thanks for, for sharing the knowledge. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please share it along with a friend. Uh, let them know about the podcast and you can leave us an excellent review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, if you're interested in our internship, kicks off early March next year. Get in touch. We've got a couple spots left. Our jujitsu timetable will be getting turbocharged in the next few weeks once our mezzanine is built. So if you're interested in that or any of the other strength and mobility-based training we're doing, please get in touch, junglebrothers.com. Uh, and shout out to our people at Panavol Cafe in Pagewood for supplying us the coffee that we're drinking today. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch you next week. Out.